of these go to 11. Once again, we have Greg Dutcher joining us, who is in the middle of eating his dinner, so I'm stalling just a little bit until he finishes chewing the pizza, and I'm running out of things. There you go. (laughs) This pizza is amazing. Margarita's pizza. Sorry, listeners. It was too good. I tried to squeeze it in during the intro. It's good to be here. Keep talking, Nathan, while I keep chewing. That's right. Um, Also joining us, we have uh, someone special to me, uh, my father-in-law, Brian Davidson. Uh, Brian, how are you? Well, I barely can talk right now. I got pizza, yet I'm suffering from Domino's. (laughs) Oh, Domino's. Brian, so, so Nathan, counts. if you could just keep talking all that's night, we'll be good. <laughs> yeah, I know. yeah, just give us 20 minutes. Nathan. That's right. That's right. Um, so I'm going to uh, just kind of brag on you a little bit here, uh, Dad, because I know that um, there, there are several things that we're going to talk about in uh, sports and in sports ministry and in um, sports and believers' lives. And, and I really – I want people to have a sense of – the person that we're talking to here, because I know that, um, that you wouldn't do this. And so, first of all, I want to say that, um, you've been involved in sports ministry for over, it's 32 years now, right? It is. I'm an old guy, Nathan. I'm an old, <laughs> old guy. Um, cause you started, it was down in Puerto Rico, which is where Joy, my wife, your daughter was born. Correct. Correct. See, I'm I'm learning family history here. You are. You are. (laughs) Only took you several years into the marriage. That's right. So you're you're, you're doing well. Um, The second thing I want to say is that you have had such a career, particularly um, in soccer, and 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 I don't. I I want people to understand that um, your knowledge of sports in general is um, encyclopedic, as far as I'm concerned. um, With with baseball, and and I know most of that revolves around the Red Sox, but in general, you have a um, a great knowledge of baseball. And football, you are actually studying up on and learning because, um, Josh, your uh, fourth, fifth child um, is getting involved in football. And so you're throwing yourself into that learning, uh, yeah. learning everything you can about football. How is that going for you? Well, I just, I've learned a bit about the PSI and the deflation of footballs. Oh, and yeah. you know, there, there's a lot, lot to learn I hear, you know? So no, I, I'm enjoying it very much, very much. And, um, you know, just again, letting people know you have, um, you've coached some of the top people, some of the top coaches in the soccer industry. And so, um, when we talk about, um, your knowledge of sports and why we've asked you to be on here, um, you, you could be one of those guys who is just filthy, stinking rich off of sports (laughs) and you chose to, um, instead go into the mission field and go into ministry. Um, and, and just tell us a little bit about that, why you would choose, um, to go into the mission field, to go into sports or to go into sports ministry over going into sports and over, you know, taking, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars in contracts, um, and making money that way. And, you know, Brian, just, just to set the stage for you, before you answer that, you know, Nathan, he, he didn't want to embarrass me, but you know, I have turned down multiple sports contracts to play for major league baseball teams, NFL teams. And I chose the ministry. Uh, so I'm just saying, whatever you're about to say, I want you, I can relate. Uh, no, I, uh, if, if this was a video cast, that would be much more laughable. Go on, Brian, answer that. Cause I, I am dying to hear this. 
Well, no, you know, it's, um, let me, let me share with you this. I was a huge, big mistake. <laughs> so I'm like, just glad to be here anywhere doing anything on this earth. My mom was 46. My dad was almost 52 when I was born. Wow. They had three kids and uh, they were done. And 23 years later, I came on the scene. Wow. And uh, I'm very grateful for the uh, woman by the name of Estelle Carter. She shared the gospel with my mom two years before I was born. And then I came on the scene. And of course, we know what it says um, that God uh, actually doesn't make any mistakes. Yeah. He knows us uh, even before we're in our mother's womb. And um, my mom died when I was six of cancer. And all I remember of my mom was she prayed over me every single day. I do not remember one word of those prayers. But what a great legacy. I had brothers that were, and a sister, all excellent athletes. And I grew up in a time where it was trophies by works, not right. grace. Yes, um, yes. And so there were a few of those around, and it was going to be natural for me to be in sports and all. And I, was, I really became a sports junkie up until the age of 17. I did play all the different sports. Um, I was captain of my teams. I even bowled four or five times a week. I bowled wow. on television yeah. <laughs> as a kid. I became a ski instructor, but I love soccer, basketball. I love them all. I played street hockey, everything, you name it. But then um, I committed my entire life uh, to Christ. And even, you know, as an athlete, I was an overachiever because, uh, you know, I was five foot nine, slow, uh, small hands. And when I jumped, my toes were still on the ground. So I had no, <laughs> you know, raw physical talent to give. <laughs> Yes, but, Nathan. Nathan can relate to that, but go on. Ron, go on. I know, yeah. right? A lot of people can, but I like. But I had passion, and I went all in. So when I accepted Jesus Christ into my life, I, I went all in. Yeah, and I really went through a refiner's fire um, uh, over the next five years, and and quickly, what ended up happening was I went to India. I played on a Christian team. And at halftime, I shared my testimony for the first time ever publicly, over 20,000 people, people in the trees, you couldn't fit any more in the stadium. And a light bulb went on um, that to play soccer, to tell people about Jesus Christ, was far more fulfilling and satisfying than kissing a ring or holding a trophy over my head. Wow. And that was that was that was so powerful because sports you're just constantly it's external achievements. There's no real happiness in it, but you strive for it and once you achieve something, it's empty. And and, and this was full. This experience was full and satisfying. My sophomore year I lost my dad. I watched him die in front of me. It was just him and I. Mm. And first Timothy six seven, you know, you bring nothing in this world and it's certain you're gonna leave with nothing. Mm-hmm. No, you know, uh, U-Haul behind the hurts. Uh, it's just all about relationships and one relationship in particular, and that's to Christ. And so 
that deep in my walk there. My junior year, I got married to my wife, Christine, who's been my wife for 34 years. I realized how selfish I was, uh, how much pride, uh, how many seeds to, to pride that I had sown during my years in sports. And then my senior year, I lost. we lost six friends in a car accident. Wow. Uh, one was my wife's roommate. One was my roommate. One was a co-captain with me. Two were coming to dinner that night. And uh, they got hit. They were in a car, homecoming court, going to pick up their costumes, hit by an 18-wheeler. Bam. And so I learned there, tomorrow's not promised to you. And so... What I did was I gave up sports. I had some opportunities. I gave up sports at the end of college to go teach Bible in in Puerto Rico. And it was really my Abraham Isaac moment um, where sport was kind of – as, as I, Isaac was maybe an, an idol for Abraham, mm-hmm. sports definitely was, was my idol. And um, when I gave it up, uh, God gave it back, but here was the clear message that I needed to learn how to surrender my passion and my talents in sport at the foot of the cross to take the message across to the ends of the earth. Yeah. And if I would do that, God would use me beyond anything I could dream or imagine, and my life would be fuller <laughs> than any wallet, uh, you know, difference that any wallet would make or material possession couldn't even, it pales in comparison with full life that I would have in, in Christ and through sports ministry where I've traveled 50 plus countries all over the world using a platform of soccer to share the gospel and I've seen amazing transformations like trophies of grace. Can't take credit for any of it. It's yeah. the glory of the impossible. That. It's me putting myself in that position, and there's no championship. There's no trophy. There's no winning. There's no amount of money. There's no size of a house that can compare to being part of that process of seeing people come to know Christ. So um, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. Wow. And so 32 years – uh, that you've been doing this, Brian. What what are some of the different roles in, in those three decades that you've taken? And, and give us that sense and what you're doing now as sort of as, as the end of that piece. Yeah, well, it, it's mostly been through soccer. And I had the privilege, again, uh, I, I'm not a visionary. The Holy Spirit is a visionary. And uh, my job was to really hear Holy Spirit and how he would use me and lead me and so the spirit is so creative, and he led me to pioneer the Charlotte Eagles Professional Soccer Club back in 1991, which was about seven years after I had been in sports ministry. And the Lord uh, kind of came to that point of in my life where saying, hey, why can't we have Christian players that can play at a high level that are really, really good, but play differently, play being set apart, yeah. play in which we can uh, live out the second greatest commandment. We would know who our neighbor is and love them. And that neighbor is a referee. It's an opponent. It's a teammate. It's fans that are maybe ugly to you or whatever. So birth the Charlotte Eagles, and by God's grace, they've traveled all over the world. Many guys' lives have been transformed by the Spirit of God and the teaching and training that's gone on there. Um, they've led many to the Lord. They've had probably 
probably somewhere around 30 plus kids a part of their camps over the last whatever almost 25 years and so that was kind of neat but as i traveled around the world in the early days we smuggled bibles into countries because we could go where traditional missionaries couldn't go because sports is such a, a visa it uh, transcends a lot of barriers politically, religiously, economically, socially, um, and it got us into places that were, you know, extremely difficult for the body of Christ to go. Yeah. And uh, we were able to get in. We smuggled Bibles in those places. We helped missionaries in some different areas. But one of the things I noticed was a lot of what we were doing, uh, we were doing some big events, and we were using the church— and we would blow in, blow up, and blow out. And our intentions were right. Our motivations were right. But it was more of a crusade type of mentality. And the Lord kind of birthed another vision in me, and that was that how do we create a model that's ongoing, sustainable, led by the nationals, and connected to either a church or a church planting strategy? Yeah, yeah. And so... Wow. Uh, Pioneering once again, which is kind of my forte and how God's wired me, 2002, we moved our family over to Ethiopia. I didn't even know where Ethiopia was on the map (laughs) (laughs) much before then. But a long story short, he unequivocally uh, made it uh, the Jerusalem of our movement. I moved there with another family, and um, it was... It's, it was just simply an amazing experience to be a part of. I shudder to think if we hadn't had the opportunity to go, or I said somehow resisted and didn't go. I just, I shake. Such a powerful movement of God. We, we have today, um, now, so about 13 years later, we have over 85,000 kids in 2,700 projects connected to 15 different denominations. Wow. Um, over 145 churches, which means 70 or more people, planted in Muslim villages, um, all through uh, starting with a relational strategy, not a proclamational gospel strategy, but about playing soccer yeah, with people. Yeah. And basically, we got to the point where pastors were like, no, 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 you can't play soccer. You know, sports is evil. If you come to Christ, you just need to read the Word of God. And, and that's, and pray more. And and there's there's truth into some of what he was saying. Uh, but we, we came to the point of, of sharing with him, it, it wasn't sport that was evil. It was man that was corrupt. Yeah. And we could use this platform to build relationships. They were struggling to have youth come into church. We could work with them to build bridges to this youth, get men who weren't involved in the church to begin starting soccer teams with them. And then we taught these guys how to transition from the sport to sharing the gospel. And um, both in a formal way and informal, just as God brought up divine opportunities. So did that for another 10 years. Now it's in uh, 13 countries. We built a big, huge camp over there. Um, I don't know why you haven't been to it yet, Greg. I mean, it's been like eight years. What are you waiting for? Uh, hey, you're, you're getting me interested, highly interested, Brian. Unbelievable. Monkeys everywhere, right on a lake with hippos. But a lot of Muslim kids come. We have 144 beds. And wow. Uh, they have to be part of our want ongoing projects. Uh-huh. So they come with a leader, they leave with a leader, and we don't ask them to raise hands because we can get 
any kid to raise. They've had three meals for the first time in their life and slept in a bed. Yeah. So yeah. we love them, play sports. We, we believe that any sports outreach, really, if you are a Christian and you're in the environment of competitive sports, you are part of a sports outreach project because you have the presence of God in your life. Right. And that's what needs to come forward. And so, yeah, that's that's what we were, were teaching them. The, the camp has been incredible. It was built on the shoulders of some SIM missionaries, who, one who lost her life there, wow. uh, but went to an area when no one else would. It's a Muslim village. It's so really, really kind of neat. And then came back here and... Um, 51 years old. My youngest was 18. We were grandparents, and God gave us three more boys. <laughs> and um, and so we decided we would stay here in the States. So I've been teaching intro to sports outreach, sports chaplaincy, which I've done some in the Cape Cod Baseball League, and also global sports outreach. And I'm hoping in 2016 to launch a new ministry called The New Scoreboard, which is kind of an alternative, compelling vision for Christian families who uh, participate in the environment of competitive youth sports. Now, Dad, that's um, primarily what we want to speak with you about um, because that's going to relate most um, to what we're going to be talking about with sports um, tonight. But real quick, we just wanted to um, know right now at this moment, you're actually a teacher at Liberty University, correct? Yeah, I have global warming and probably Al Gore to thank for that. <laughs> Pray for the next generation here. I don't know, but yeah, they're calling me professor. So people are calling me professor now, and it's I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's yeah. kind of it's kind of fun, yes. and uh, we're having some great uh, times together to really understand how to integrate our faith into competition between the lines or in the stands or on the sidelines. And that's a challenge uh, for uh, a lot of Christians today. If you've ever been part of a church softball or basketball league, yeah. you know <laughs> what I'm talking about. Yes, and, yes. And, and Greg, don't take too much offense to this, but like pastors or elders are usually the worst. Oh, no, believe no. me, I know it. I mean, I'm, I'm not much of a participant. Uh, but as a fan, I'm obnoxious as, as as all get out. So I'm constantly bringing my own sanctification into question. Just from the standpoint of fandom, I can't imagine how bad I would be if I had any athletic skills. Um, it, it, it would be that much worse. But Dave Shive, a friend of mine, and Nathan's is a regular guest on here, so if he's listening to this. Dave, uh, when we bring you back, can you ever relate to uh, dealing with the flesh and difficulty of uh, emotion when you play sports? That's a little shout-out to a podcast friend but yeah I, I know pastors tend to be the worst culprits on uh, on that front i've seen it firsthand yeah it's 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 hard but it's 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 funny and and we we do laugh at it but really we're missing the boat we're missing opportunities to be different to be yeah. set apart and uh to have the aroma of christ come through us rather stinky, sweaty, sweaty <laughs> t-shirt smell, you know, right. um, and that's right. kind of often what we're like. So, yeah. yeah. Well, we're, we're very interested in the, the new scoreboard. Nathan's told me a little bit about it, and, and I'd really love to get your thoughts. But you did make a reference, Brian, earlier, and I wanted to ask you about that. I'm, I'm sort of a middle of the rotor on this subject, but as you know, uh, it's been quite a topic lately. I 
ESPN. Um, uh, uh, who was it? Um, the Pittsburgh Steeler player. I'm blanking. Who? Um, Harrison. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's right. Right. James Harrison. Uh, who, of course, took his kids' participation trophies away from them and uh, said, no, no, you didn't earn this. You know, I only want you to get a trophy earned. Curious, I'm middle of the road on it. I, I could almost be swayed either side, uh, and I'd love to just get your unvarnished thoughts. W- what is your thought on giving kids participation trophies that don't win anything? Wow. Yeah, that is a whole nother podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I think there's a danger to over praising our kids mm-hmm. and um, living in an unreality world oftentimes. Um, and I think sometimes those trophies can send a, 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 the wrong message and all. So I'm for trophies by works. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can uh, – there's plenty of encouragement that should be dished out by coaches. Um, but I don't, I don't think they need a trophy just for participating. But it's not a huge deal to me. Mm-hmm. But the whole self-esteem and how we potentially over – um, praise our kids and the helicopter uh, parents and all really is a deeper issue that we probably need to unpack and explore a little bit more um, because it's okay for our kids to fail and fall short and um, I, I think it, that's necessary because truthfully that's where you get to that next layer of character yeah. that core character I mean all you have to do is um you know, talk to people who, you know, are looking for Navy SEALs. Yeah. And, um, you know, they'll tell you, the, who are the people that fail? Well, you know, the people that fail are the ones with the big biceps, you know, or the ones who are, you know, like have these tattoos trying to act like they're tough. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, and the truth of the matter is the ones that, that uh, or, you know, the big sports guys who have been always successful or whatever. But maybe haven't pushed the envelope to that next layer of character of no quit. Yeah. You know, of grind and all and perseverance and sacrifice and a deeper commitment. And those are the guys that become SEALs. And uh, those are some of the great achievers. And I think we have to just be careful with our kids that we don't shortchange them and not let them get to that place. Yeah. Um, but. You know, that's a really a fragmented answer to a bigger, larger issue. So that, that's just that's just my opinion and not necessarily a right one, but just my thoughts on no, that. No, thank you, Brian. This is something that we, we've given a lot of thought to. I have four kids, and one of them plays on a varsity level, and, and you know, it, 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 she felt really good about earning it. And, you know, there's a fine line between boastful pride, which is something we don't want to encourage, and a, and a real purpose sense of accomplishment. Uh, and the joy of hard work rewarded. So it's neat to see her experience that very different than she, I'll say that she was a lot happier to make the varsity volleyball team than she ever was when she was six or seven and got the trophy that every kid got. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I just something I've noticed. Uh, and then I have little kids and I understand the first time they're playing, I understand the rationale, you know, and, right. I, and, and I can see the debate, but I, I just really wanted to get uh, your sense. I mean, you've been, 
working with sports and going after the, the condition of the human heart in the people you're ministering to for 30 years. So that was very interesting to get your thoughts there. Well, and, and I, quite frankly, you know, I slept with my first trophy. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, right. yeah. I mean, I, I love getting a first trophy, but, but it, you know, it was earned, you right. know, and, and there's something to that. There's a deeper satisfaction with it. But then as you get from a Christian standpoint, it never ever is about the trophy. I mean, the thing we have to tell our kids is the, the trophy is never going to love us back. I mean, we, we have a great picture of Michael Jordan hugging and kissing the trophy, but it never hugs him back right, and kisses him right. back. Great point. We, and we have all these people kissing a ring and stuff, but that's, that external achievement is never going to give us the, that deep sense of, of happiness yes. um, that we get when we're playing to please the Lord and grinding it out and being challenged by our, with our character and all these other things. It's just, it pales into comparison. Um, but it's fun. Like I've had different awards. It's fun for a minute, but you just got to keep it in perspective. Right. You know? Right. You know what? I mean, Matthew six nineteen. do not store for yourselves treasures on this earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves can break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where yeah. moth and rust cannot destroy where thieves can't break in. For where your treasure is, there where your heart was. And my heart was in just these external achievements, trophies, rings, you know, et cetera. Yeah. So that's a bigger, larger issue with us, with our kids to say, hey, that was a great, you know, that's okay. You know, but, you know, this is what we're really after. Right. You know? So now. Talk to us a little bit about that, Dad, because yeah. your the the kids you have now, and that's not to say that um, your your first set of children weren't good at sports, but um, Joshua, Caleb, Gideon, particularly Gideon and Joshua, uh, they they seem to be exceptional at sports. Um, and so, talk to us about the difficulty of kind of corralling that in, making sure that they have an honest, realistic perspective about their abilities, but also making sure that they don't get too puffed up. Mm. Yeah, it's this is, again, I can only give the Spirit of God the credit for some of the conviction that and the thoughts and the insights in this area. But let me let me give you let me give you this. James four six says, "God opposes the proud." Okay, God opposes the proud, yeah. and yet we are putting our kids out into environments that are the absolute perfect greenhouse for growing pride. Mm-hmm. Therefore, when we awaken and have a a kingdom perspective, we go, whoa, we need a plan here. We need a battle plan. We need a game plan. Because um, here's another reality. Greg, your kids are not going to play pro. Right, right. For sure. (laughs) Brian, my kids are not – less than 1% of the kids are going to play pro. Yeah. Less than 5%, depending on the sport, it can be as low as like 1.5%, 2% are going to get ships. So – and 73% of the kids by the age of 13 are going to drop out of youth sports because it's no longer any fun. Yeah, yeah. And we then – have to go, okay, parents who love Christ got to go, 
we got to step back and we have to go, why are our kids even in sports? And um, if they're going to be in sports, we need a new compelling vision and a game plan that has to be intentional and strategic about using all of our participation and their experiences to train them in godliness and to be on mission with God. Those two clear objectives. That is, that is, that was life changing for me when I heard from the Spirit of God of the direction I needed to to hear that truth and what that meant for my boys. Because uh, uh, they at eighteen they leave my house and head off to college or whatever. And my job as a parent, Proverbs twenty two six, is train them up in the way they go. So that when they're older, they don't turn from it. Mm-hmm. And, and I am to train them up in humility, in honoring others, and in honesty, to name just three virtues per se. And I'm putting them in an environment that's going to do just the opposite. It's about pride, mm-hmm. selfish ambition, deceitfulness, cheating, lying. Not all. I mean, there's a lot of good things. I'm just bringing it for this point. Sure. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Some of these other areas that are there. And it's about making a name for oneself. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know what happened there. The Tower of the Babel was the same thing, making a name for themselves. And God frustrated those efforts. Mm-hmm. And we as parents have to go, what towers are we trying to build with basic needs for our kids? And, and we, before God has to frustrate, let's knock it down. So we have a game plan with that, and we, and we talk about a higher calling. And our higher calling is around, you know, we can accept praise from others. We can be encouraged about making a tackle, but uh, you better not ever see one of my boys making a tackle and jumping up and pounding his chest and, you know, pointing to himself. I mean, that yeah. kind of stuff, there's for us, no place for that, you know, um, you get in an end zone and you score a touchdown on a running back, you know, it's the same type. Well, wait a minute. How did you get there, dude? Like, you know, like someone blocked for you. (laughs) Somebody called you a play. And if you look at my son, he's from West uh, Africa. He's like, he's ripped. I'm like, son, let's go way back here and thank God. I mean, like, when you jump, your toes get off the ground. Yeah. <laughs> like when, when you run, you actually run by people. I mean, like you know, you're. I mean, like it's incredible his strength. It, uh, you know, so much. And I said, thank God. You know, first of all, thank God for that uh, raw athletic, t- uh, t- physical talent. You don't have anything else. And so, yeah, we we begin that, and that's how we begin building up humility. We start there. And go from there. Yeah. And we point out, you know, a lot of the other things that other people are doing, uh, coaches and teammates, et cetera, to put us in the place we are to be successful. And um, we don't want to develop false humility. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I remember the first time I knew my name was in the paper. I went out, got the paper, read it 79 times before <laughs> I went to school, went to um, homeroom and the extent of my my prayer life at that point was I, I hoped and prayed that I won't mention her name, but this good room had also read the paper that day. <laughs> yeah, and, um, yeah, yeah. and when she said to me, I'll never forget, Hey, Brian, I saw your name was in, in the paper and you were like the here. I forgot even what it was. And I was like, Oh, it was, <laughs> what did it say? <laughs> you know? And then the next thing, the next thing I was like, 
Oh yeah, uh, no, it was the team. It was the team, and and so you see, like I think. <clears throat> Let me step back, and, and Greg, you know this, like we have three adversaries, the flesh, the world, and the enemy of God, mm-hmm. and there is a toxic concoction being spewed from all three of those. All three of those have pride, selfish ambition, and um, deceitfulness, mm-hmm. um, and that's coming out, and so we are walking into this environment completely unprepared, and that's why we are stinking. We have this ugly odor, whether it's in the stands as parents, on the sidelines of coaches, or as players. And we're we're missing the boat to be training our kids in godliness, to be modeling it for our kids, and then being on mission to pray for kids. There's nothing wrong with church sports ministry project. There's some wonderful ministries out there. Upward and Soar, so (laughs) many great ones. But if I had my druthers... I'd say, shut them all down, and churches, pastors, elders, deacons, teachers in the church, let's equip our families to get out into the community playing on all these other teams. Yeah, interesting. You know, and let's start praying for some of the families that don't know Christ, having them come over our house, praying for them with our kids at night to put ourselves in a position where God could use us to change a life, you know? Um, And then if the second greatest commandment is love your neighbor— you know, you can affect authority, but if you go out to the stands and yell at a referee, you're modeling something completely different, yes. Greg, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, it's it's interesting, Brian. There's um, a man here in our general area. I've only met him once. His name's Joe Ehrman, who uh, was a Baltimore Colt years ago. Um, yeah, Christian man. He's He's been uh, ordained, I think, in uh, you know some years past. There was an article in the Baltimore Sun uh, and if, I, I wish if I could find it, I'll, I'll send it to you. This was only a few years ago, but he was developing an inner city football program and it caught the attention of the Baltimore sun because same thing, there wasn't a faith requirement to join the league. So, you know, he was integrated in, uh, you know, just sports rec programs, um, that were available to him to pull from. So he had all kinds, but he himself brought a very biblically based perspective to sports ministry. And the article said, wow, this coach is telling these kids one of the goals you're going to have on this team, you're going to love each other. And right. you're going to learn to love each other. And, I, you know, it was interesting. My father sent that to me at the time because he had never seen anything quite like it. And uh, I think I heard a pastor say this years ago, and I bet you've seen this so many times, Brian. There's a, a strange phenomenon in all sports. I mean, you had mentioned the end zone. Whenever I can, uh, when you see that rare player that gets into the end zone, uh, Barry Sanders was this way. And I don't know where Barry Sanders was spiritually per se, but one of the best running backs arguably that's ever played the game. And when he got into the end zone, he handed the ball to the ref. Um, he, He never danced. He never strutted. He never pounded his chest. He handed it to the ref and went back to play. When when I see that, I'll point that out to my kids, you know, because – you, you love watching them get excited about sports, and that's very natural and very interesting. But you're right. It is so ripe for selfish ambition, self-worship, uh, that when you see somebody in the midst of that standing out, uh, I always liked, uh, for the Baltimore Ravens years ago, we had a kicker who was a Christian named Matt Stover. 
And I noticed one time when I was actually at the game, he missed a field goal. And I got to be honest, uh, it was a chip shot. So the fans yeah. are pretty frustrated. It was probably a 22-yarder, 23-yarder. He just shanked it, you know, hooked it 10 right. yards to the left. Um, he, he always pointed every time he kicked, heavenward. And I realized that day he pointed when he missed. Mm. And I thought, right. <laughs> you don't see that too much. Right. Um, and it's an opportunity to tell your kids there, the, you know, there are some Christian values being displayed in this arena that's often just diseased with these things. I think you so well, uh, you know, enumerated that when you get the opportunity to point them out, they're rare. But it sounds to me, Brian, your heart in ministry is to engage with the programs that exist and flood them really with a Christian presence and bring a different perspective because I'm convinced even the unbeliever notices the difference uh, when they see humility and selflessness. Well, and, and absolutely. I, I just think we have a higher calling. And and Joe, I, I know uh, a lot about Joe, and he's written a great book. Yes. Uh, um, He's uh, America's been deemed America's coach. Yeah. He he's he's got it. He's got it for yeah. sure. And um, I, I think what we have to get to, like, I, I'm not. I think sometimes what people think, well, you're you're a sissy, or this is the wussification of the game, whatever. No, not as a Christian. Like, I don't think it makes you any less <laughs> of an athlete. Our kids, athletes. In fact, I think it makes it makes them better. Because when I thought that um, their self-worth is in being a child of God, mm-hmm. an heir to the king, and uh, there's a holy, holy, holy God that loves them so much and has a special plan, and unconditional love there, versus the lie from hell that is uh, your self-worth is in your performance and the opinions of others. And when you have that love for God, you have that comfort in him, you don't fear as much. You don't have as much anxiety. Yeah. Um, there, there's these other misnomers and myths out there that you have to hate your enemy, and you're better about it. Jordan Spieth, number one golfer in the world, thumbs up the other day on the 17th hole, I believe, to Jason Day. Yeah, I saw that. Who hits a big putt that probably closes out Jordan's chances to win he puts his thumbs up he's getting criticized for that he's the best steph curry tim duncan yeah. you don't have to hate your opponent and be some arrogant jerk right in fact i'd probably make the case that a lot of the pride gets these guys in trouble for unsportsmanlike conduct revenge penalties yeah. red cards and soccer so many other issues so what I'm trying to tell, there's a new scoreboard that we need to embrace, mm-hmm. and, parent, and it begins with love God uh, like sports. Yeah, and and we are we are our number one passion. Our greatest passion has to be God, and we can enjoy sports, we can like sports, but when our passion is far greater for sport and these idols we are we are we are we're, we're losing it we're, we're missing the boat 
boat here. And we're being tossed in us is service to the church, attendance at the, you know, uh, being part of a body. It's, it's, we're missing family times. We're running around with our heads cut off in these youth sports, not knowing what to do and uh, compromising our commitment to the local church because of these Sunday contests. Um, it, there's just so much that we need a new school, but we need to get ground back because you have to understand, like, it's like the frog in the, the beaker, man. Yeah. When it's turned up, like, all of a sudden, slow, and the, the frog dies. You know, he never realized it just kept getting hotter and hotter. Our witness is dying. It's being killed off because we are succumbing to the values of the sports world that define success, and, and so many other issues, they permit things to happen, even cheating. Like you can take a dive in soccer and deceive a referee and get a call, and people will, will say, that's okay. Right, um, right. When, when it's cheating, like I created a whole team around there going, we're not going to do that. Stand up and put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to cheat. Yes, um, yes. Um so there's a lot of these things that need to be unpacked, but in order, in order to do it, we have to have a compelling vision, and we have to say, I, I want a passion that's far greater for God. I want to put my myself in a position for the glory of the impossible where my kids can be trained in godliness. They can have, when they leave my house at 18, they can have a depth of spiritual maturity, and, and the youth sports can be a great training ground for bringing that about, and I want to teach my kids how we go on mission as a family and that we're going to pray for people on our teams and, and umpires and referees. And we're going to do crazy love acts. Wow. Wow. Crazy love acts. <laughs> that happened. You know, that so many things could happen. So many things we can't even figure out that you will have the opportunity at that moment to respond with the crazy act of love. And it will most likely be when the referee just made a terrible call or you lost a heartbreaking game. And lives will be changed because the only reason you did that is because of your incredible passion for God. Yeah. And it's going to point people in that direction because naturally none of us have the ability to respond that way. But if we learn not to strive to have better character, but to abide in him, yeah. then we are empowered by a Holy Spirit that gives us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, justice, and even self-control. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that is self-control in sports. When you talk about something that could be a separate podcast, uh, Brian, no, no doubt. And I think, um, yeah, that golf incident you mentioned, I mean, again, the fact that these things are so rare – uh, there's this little thing I see in Major League Baseball all the time that drives me crazy, um, and that is, uh, you know, a pitcher will uh, just just beam a batter with a, a you know a pitch, and hopefully it's not intentional. Uh, and you know, you've seen where the batter goes down, and I would just every so often like to see a pitcher go up to the dude on the ground and <clears throat> say, "Are you doing okay, buddy? I'm so sorry." It almost seems like there's a code, you know. He just stays out on the mound and kind of chews his gum or his his tobacco and uh, lets the trainer, uh, you know, tend to him. I think there's so many opportunities to show something different. Uh, I love at the beginning of the uh, NFL games that you rarely see it on TV, but you will, uh, when I've gone to Ravens games, uh, see the players at the beginning of the game and often at the end of the game that meet on the field to pray uh, from the opposing team. 
that normally has a way of getting lost when the camera goes uh, to commercial to the uh, you know the the quick interview of the coach or something like that. Um, so I love what you're bringing here, and I I see so many things right for parents that are about to enter coaching careers, and I've sometimes been baffled. I, I did a little umpiring myself um, as a older teenager, and when I was in college to earn some part time money. And man, I don't want to overgeneralize here, Brian, but some of the moms. I mean, I'd rather face like a you know you know Sopranos style hits you know hit 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 squad that takes me out in an alley because um, it was tough, you know. And uh, I'm talking about eight nine year old little league games uh, where the outcome was so important to parents that they were uh, you know castigating the umpire from their stands um, when there's an opportunity to display something so radically different. Well, selfish ambition is blinding, and winning has a way to really skew things for us. Um, I'll never forget the little example. Under 12, might have even been under 10 baseball team, had a quote-unquote big game. And I don't know how big they are when you're like 10 or 11 years old. But anyway, big game. And uh, the coach, they were warming up. The league rule was everybody had to play equal amount. Had one kid, it was terrible. <laughs> and uh, he talked to uh, one of the better players, said, hey, warm up with this kid who was not very good, and uh, hit him so that he gets hurt and can't play his three and a half innings. And uh, he hits him. Kid cries. Mom didn't see it or anybody, Come, but comes down, to, you know, okay, come on, be tough, get back out there. And the coach kind of looks at the guy like, hey, hit him next time to get him out. And he does. And he wow. hits him, and he's done. And here's the thing, like, and this coach, um, you know, what happened was the player who hit him was so guilt, so guilt ridden that he told his parents yeah, and, and shared the whole thing. And, and that is just one of thousands of lost perspective examples that exist out there today. And we are getting caught in that. We, I'm saying as Christians, that we have to take a step back and form this new scoreboard with a kingdom vision and perspective. And we need to then begin laying out a a game plan with our passion, with our perspective, with our purpose. Why are we even doing this? You know, and it's got to be in submission to some the one of the greatest commandments, second greatest commandments: love your neighbor. We need to figure out how to do that. Yeah. You know, and to do that well. And and our presence needs to be different. And um, priorities. There's a lot of different things that need to be changed. And we need we need a, a, a radical rethinking of our involvement there. And I promise our, our kids will have more fun and they won't be part of that quitting number. Yep. You know, cause the, the number one reason why the kid uh, quits at, at uh, 12 or 13 is because it's no longer fun. And the number one reason it's no longer fun is because of dad evaluating the performance yeah, yeah. of his child on the way home. Yeah, you did well here, but let me tell you about this. And then, <laughs> Yeah. You know, and even the small little things when he's on a business trip and he calls his son home. And again, I'm not saying this is wrong in and of itself, but when you add it all up, it becomes it's sending the wrong message to kids. But he'll what does he do? What, what's the first two questions? If he's on a business trip and his, he gets his son on the phone, what are the first two questions he asks? Usually, did you win? Did you win? Yeah. How'd you do? What did you accomplish? 
Exactly. Yeah. And, and that message right there. And then you respond. The dad responds one way or another. And that what basically the kid's picking up is my significance is in my performance and the opinion of my dad. Yeah. And that is an earthly perspective. And it's, and we're passing this on and passing this on for generation, generation. Instead of clothing our kids with all this Raven gear and Orioles gear, which again, in and of itself is not wrong, but we do that from the moment they're birthed. Yeah. Like in the hospital, they're coming home with Oreo gear or right. Raven gear. Right. They come back to a nursery that's got it all on their wall. Like we've got to begin to clothe. <laughs> Um, with other spiritual things and that be our passion that be our desire we want to see these marks of spiritual maturity emerge in our kids through their participation and experiences and if god's gifted them in such a way that they end up having more joy in this and and keep playing and become a better athlete great super yeah. and, and and they can do it there and when they lose they also need to give glory to god yeah yeah excellent we're um we are running out of time here but we do um dad want to get <clears throat> sorry want to get your thoughts um we are running into the um sports season we're going to have scott scott Gusso on after um after you're on today um and we'll be posting both podcasts and uh ravens are big up here people love their ravens talk to us just in the next couple minutes here how can we as fans um act and, and carry out the character and love of Christ as fans? Great question. Yeah, I, I think we can be all about <clears throat> encouraging our team. Um, but like the Cameron crazies, um, when we ha- see a lot of these guys couldn't play. So they're trying to be part of the game. And the way they become part of the game is by going ballistic. Now, it, nobody on that field knows them, their names. You know, if they were to die, no one, no one's coming to their funeral from that team. Right. But, like, we've sold our soldier. You, you have to remember, like, we've got the sanctuaries. We've got the stadiums. We got worship at the church. We got worship at the games. We got idols right there. We got our God. We got singing. We got community at these games. That's mm-hmm. what the big tailgating is about because yeah. we're not getting in the church. And they're part of a, a cause that's greater than themselves. So they're like, going, that is their religion. They're going ballistic. We can't do that. Like everybody's creating the image of God. We can't, you know, it's just a game. It's who says that we can rip on other people? Mm-hmm. And, and this stuff has even gone to people in the fights and different issues that are going there. I say be fully supportive of those on your team without having to put others down. I mean, that that's to me has become crazy. And I'll tell you this story. Uh, Christian University, some of the fans, Christians on the sideline, playing a secular school at home and the fans were yelling uh some of them were down there going hey you guys god doesn't love you you better be careful. You're probably going to hell. And that's a true story. And the reason why I know is because in the locker room afterwards, in that secular um, locker room, several of those guys went up to the one Christian on the team. And they said, where do these guys get off on saying these ugly things? Here we come to a Christian institution and expecting, you know, Christ present, you know, God, you know, present, wow. you know, people that are different. And, was, and the Christian was a kid that I had led to the Lord. In wow. youth soccer, and he had no, no answer, and 
And, and that was, he said, look at the hypocrites. Look at that ugly, mean spirit. They're no different than what we hear at other places, maybe without the cuss words. Yeah. But that is as mean and ugly as it possibly could be. Love your neighbor is love your neighbor. There is no reason why we can't applaud. I know this is crazy, okay? I, 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 you know, how do I applaud the good play by the Yankees when I'm a Red Sox fan, right. you know? Well, <laughs> yeah, when you grow easily. up a little bit and yeah. you mature, you can, you right. know? I mean, I never saw that. So if someone told me that at one point, I understand. I understand where people are and they don't get that. But, like, when we've gone overboard and we've drunk the Kool-Aid of the Ravens and they make us this Jekyll and Hyde-type personalities, yeah. I think we got to take a step back. Enjoy the game. It's entertainment. It's not e- about eternity. It's entertainment. Yeah. Have fun. Uh, there have been plenty of opposing players, moms and grandmothers in the stands that have been verbally abused and had terrible experiences. Shame on any of us Christians who would have participated in any of that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. let's enjoy the game. Keep it in perspective. Have a great time. And even maybe even make some, oh, I know it's crazy, make some friends with some Redskin fans or <laughs> Steeler fans, you know, be in it together, you know. I mean, it's all right, you know. Um, but have a good-hearted approach to it rather than uh, – you know, this is life or death because it's not. Well said. Yeah. That's great. Thank you so much. And we, um, you know, we were so excited to have you on talking about this. And hopefully down the line we'll be able to have you back to be able to unpack more of the things that sure. we didn't have time for today. Yeah, we never have enough time. But um, it, it was it was excellent. A lot, I think it's going to be very timely for people uh, as the sports seasons heat up. Uh, school-wise, little league-wise, yep. professional football, playoffs, and baseball. Uh, I'm just going to say one thing as we wrap up here, Brian. You were hard uh, to get my respect. It was going to be difficult, uh, and you've earned it. But think what you had to overcome. I mean, this podcast started with I thought, this is the guy that let Nathan marry his daughter. Um, <laughs> so, dude, I, I got to tell you, Brian, you were starting low. <laughs> I mean, and you have overcome that amount. Uh, of lack of trust. So, uh, no, thank you so much, Brian. That was excellent. Absolutely blessed. And, uh, hey, you know, hopefully maybe in six months' time we might be able to do a multi-church, bring out a whole bunch of parents, and have like a little seminar to talk for a couple hours about some of these things. And and there's great ways to use kids to teach certain things and to have other families over, you know, yeah. during games yeah. and all. And and reach out to some of our unbelieving friends and just have them in our house, you know? So Absolutely. great opportunities there. So, yeah, guys, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's been a joy. And, um yeah, let's create a new scoreboard movement. Absolutely. We're going to go ahead and we're going to sign off now. Greg, Dad, we just rocked the Casbah. Rock it. These go to 11.